Welcome, listeners, to the pilot episode of Chronicles of the Fall. We begin our collection of mystery, horror, and tragedy with the first tale to be told. It is titled Whispers in the Wash, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did creating it. All mentions of the Lovecraftian mythos and its creatures are all thanks to H.P. Lovecraft and his mysterious and brilliant imagination. I take no credit for any creatures mentioned in this series, and I hope my stories help to spark creativity and imagination in others. Enjoy. It begins with a housekeeper finding a voice recorder in a pillowcase that has been cut open and sewn back shut. After listening to the contents, she is utterly confused as to what she has just heard and turns it into the police. But that is part of yet another cycle. Let us continue to where it all began. Jim, at his desk in his office, is finishing up with a couple of cases when he receives a call about a particular individual who may be in need of his services. Hello? Hey, Carl. No, it's been some time. Well, two years, hasn't it? Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? Oh, what you been, uh, oh, never mind. Um, no, you're not bothering me at all. No, it's fine. Oh, no, I'm just reviewing a couple of cases. I'm just finishing up. No, no serious work. Just, uh, mostly consultation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buddy asked to, uh, just ask for a favor, and, you know, I'm not one to turn down a friend. What's going on? Another case. Oh, that's interesting. I mean... Well, lay it on me. Okay. Yeah. Two years. It, wow. Been looking for her for two years? Holy crap. Okay, um... Well... Just go ahead and send me the details. I'll, uh... I'll do, uh, I'll do my own work on it. I'll, uh, I'll figure out, uh, what's going on. It, uh... Sounds pretty interesting. Sounds like, uh... Sounds like something, uh, up my alley a bit. You know, I like helping folks out, and I like searching for what can't be found. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and send me an email. All right, much appreciated, Carl. Huh, good to hear from you too, man. We'll have to catch up sometime. Bye. After receiving the email from Carl, Jim sets about his work, investigating this individual, where he works, where he lives, and a possible phone number. His search doesn't turn up much, except a number and an address, so he'll have to do a little face-to-face -face work. Jim gets on the phone and uses the number he found to call the individual, who introduces himself as Sam Fontenot. Jim sets up a meeting with Sam, thanks him, and hangs up. He then goes to his briefcase to record the details thus far. The email from Carl, the new case, and a possible new client. Scene 1 Jim meets with Sam Fontenot at Sam's home. Jim pulls up to a one-story house on the edge of town in the heavy rain and begins to knock on the door. 
Hello? Not thinking Sam heard him, Jim knocks on the door again. Hello? I'm looking for Sam. Sam Fontenot? The door opens with a meek-looking gentleman, if you could call him that, standing behind it. His pale, nearly gaunt features carried nary a trace to signify this was with who Jim spoke with on the phone. It wasn't until he spoke then Jim was reassured this had to be Sam. Yes, hello. What can I do for you? Hey, it's Jim. We spoke on the phone a couple of days ago. They stood there, Jim in the pouring rain, Sam in the doorway, contemplating the information for what seemed and felt like a very uncomfortable minute. Jim. Jim. Ah, yes. The investigator. Hear about my long-lost sister. Yeah, yeah, about your sister. Yeah, you've been searching a good while. Uh, you mind if I come in out of the rain before I drown out here? Sam, seeming to be completely oblivious to the weather up until now, just nods and smiles. Yes, please do come in out of this dreadful weather. Many things we must talk about. Sam trails off, turning back towards the inside of his home, leaving Jim to follow on his own. Jim follows Sam inside. As Jim enters the house, he starts to notice a slight tingle just in the back of his head. It sends a couple of shivers down his spine, but he shrugs it off as mild anxiety. Or maybe just exhaustion from one of his previous cases. Not much sleep these days for Jim. May I offer you a refreshment, Mr. Buchanan? Something to drink, yes? Oh, I'm okay, thanks. Please, call me Jim. Sam, quite audibly deflated, gestures towards the den, containing a couch and a recliner. Very well, Jim. The den should satisfy our seating requirements. Jim takes the couch. As he sits down, taking out a notepad, he notices a rather odd and eccentric collection of naval trinkets, sculptures, and paintings adorning the walls and bookcases. Some interesting art you've got here in your home. Jim says as he takes in a panorama snapshot of the room, his eyes coming to rest on an old black and white photo of a man in front of a sailboat, although Jim could swear there was something off. Oh, those. Pay those no mind. My grandfather was a bit of an eccentric sailor back during the war. Oh, which war was that? Oh, you know, the old war. But enough about that. 
We have things of more import to discuss. Jim passes this off as a possibly touchy subject, decides to not pursue further questions about it. Sam discloses that during his search, he's received letters and anonymous threats to stop looking for his sister. Here, here are some of the threats I've received in the mail. They always seem to come this way. In an unmarked envelope with hasty handwriting. Such sloppy penmanship. I see. Well, that is unfortunate, Sam. But hopefully you won't have to receive them anymore with me on the case. That would be a weight off my shoulders, S.W. Cannon. Please, call me Jim. They called my old man Mr. Buchanan. Sam digs in a little box, pulls out a small photo, writes something on the back and hands it to Jim. Yeah, here is one of the remaining photographs I have of my sister. I've taken the liberty of writing her address on the back for you. Jim looks over the small photo, a picture of a lady who appears to be in her early forties with long, dark brown hair, a sheepish smile, and glasses that seemed one size too big for her face. When was this taken? Jim says, looking over the photo, noticing that it is in black and white. Not too long before her disappearance. The authorities have another, but it wouldn't matter. No one has been able to help me find her these past two years. Jim pockets the photo and does his best to reassure Sam. Well, hopefully you won't have to worry about that too much longer. Along with the picture, Jim also collects three or four pages of information from Sam to pour over for the next few days during his investigation. During the entire sit with Sam, Jim can't help but notice the slight smell of something that's been out of the ocean for too long. It smelled like something that had washed ashore and had been baking in the summer heat for a week. It was almost like stale sea foam on sun-dried dead fish. It was almost nauseating. Out of proper manners, he didn't think it needed to be mentioned. Are you thirsty? Parched, perhaps? May I make you something to drink, Jim? Throughout Jim's visit, Sam would constantly offer some sort of refreshment, which Jim would consistently, but politely, decline. When Jim gets all the information he can from Sam that he deems useful, he thanks him and says he'll get started as soon as possible. Sam offers half up front, and the rest on completion. It seems to be such a hefty sum for someone living in quite a meager household. Nonetheless, Jim thanks him for his time as he gets up to leave. As Jim gets to the door and looks up from his notes, he turns around, but he is startled by Sam standing just behind him. Whoa, Sam! Oh, I didn't hear you walk over here. You really scared the crap out of me. I was going to tell you that I'll give you a call here in a day or two after I've gotten some FaceTime and some footwork done. 
It's quite all right, Mr. Butte. Jim. I knew you were the right man for the job. I knew it as soon as I spoke to you on the telephone. Do not be troubled concerning a time frame, as it seems. If I haven't found her yet, I'm sure it won't be very much longer. Jim continues to tell Sam that he'll investigate his sister's last known address before her disappearance. As Jim goes to head to the door, he's offered refreshments one final time from Sam. Yeah, right, of course. Uh, well, I won't keep you, Sam, but I'll, I'll be in touch here in a couple of days. I'll give you a call, and if you're busy, I'll, uh, I can just leave you a, a voicemail if that's okay. Uh, before you go, Mr. Buchanan, are you sure there isn't something I can offer you? Something I can make for you? For the road, perhaps? Yes? Man, you sure are persistent in offering somebody something to drink around here. But I'm fine. Honest, honest. I've got plenty at my place, Sam. But thank you. I'll be on my way. Yes, yes. Farewell and safe travels, Mr. Jim Buchanan. Stay dry, lest the rain wash us all back into the ocean. From there, Jim takes his leave, heading back to his office. I would like to personally thank you for listening to the first episode of my story. If you are interested in listening further, please tune in soon for more thrilling and chilling developments. Will Jim find something to help him find Sam's sister? Or will his search end up as the other investigators did? If you wish to give feedback in the form of advice or constructive criticism, please feel free, as I do greatly appreciate it. But please, by all means, leave the trolls at home and under the bridge. If you give feedback in the form of donations to help me break out of the amateur phase, I got a place for that too. Teleport yourself via a series of tubes over to my Patreon, and there the ancient one. <coughs> Digital brokers shall guide thine path of generosity.